Good morning. Thank you. I greet you in the name of the Lord, you who come in person and also our online worshippers. And uh, today we continue on our series. We are in our First Corinthians series and you can see how far down we have uh, made our way. And many of these topics that Paul picked on had to do with the problems and the frustrations in the church. And so he was addressing many of these problems. And uh, today we are uh, at this section. Last week we started with uh, chapter 11 all the way. We will go all the way to chapter 14. And this section has to do with the difficulties they face in their confusion in public worship, church worship. Last week, we covered the head cover and the Holy Communion. This week, it is on spiritual gifts. And so, uh, Paul started by addressing them. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So in this chapter, chapter 13, chapter 14, he was addressing these issues that came up to him. And he was responding to the church in Corinth about their confusion and their problems. Let us open in prayer as we come before the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So he addresses here the issues of gifts, especially where it affected their public worship, coming together as a church, they had confusion, they had disagreement of different forms. We recognize that uh, the Holy Spirit indwells every one of us when we become believers. And so the Holy Spirit gives us that enabling, that power, that special grace so that we can live like Christ and be the body of Christ to the world. And each one of us has a gift. And when Paul spoke about this, and if you looked at the New Testament, there's a whole range, and this is not exhaustive. These are all examples of where they picked up in their time. And as we come to the 21st century, we would see that in order to meet the mission of the Lord, to the unreached, to the lost and to the world, there are many, many other types of gifts that Holy Spirit endure us and empowers us so that we can reach the world with the mission and the commission that Christ has given us. So don't think that they are limited to these few that are mentioned in the New Testament. And... So as we come, we recognize that when Paul was addressing these people in Corinth, the confusion in the church is that Paul said that they were a very young church. He even called them babes in Christ. Maybe their faith was a bit infantile. And some people from the former pagan religion would have brought in certain practices that were pagan, where they were shouting, where they were leading worship. There were people with all kinds of hysterical utterances or frenzies. Some people may go into trance and some people say that they are making all kinds of spiritual expressions all in the name of the Holy Spirit. And so in church worship, 
when they came together, there was some confusion here and some people upset over there. There were divisions amongst the groups and some people were clearly turned away because of all those expressions. So Paul addressed all these in this, this three chapters. Okay? And uh, first, he talked about the test of the spiritual gifts. Verse 2, You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so he's suggesting, you know, before you used to follow mute idols and these idols were passive, inanimate, and people suggested words to what the idols spoke. But not so the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a power and the Spirit of God inside us. And the Holy Spirit has a will and a mind. So sometimes you need to test. And test one is where this person who has spectacular manifestations, ask yourself whether this person's words, actions or life condemn, blaspheme, deny Jesus. And I'm sure he may have thought of certain examples, like for example, the neighborhood synagogue leader who kept saying, Jesus be cursed. Why? Because he says, you all preach Christ crucified and in our opinion, anyone crucified is cursed. And so perhaps the synagogue leaders would use this line against the Christians. Or he may be thinking about the persecutions that may have occurred. One young chap receives Christ and goes home and the patriarch in the family insists that he renounce his newfound faith. And to do that, he challenges this young person to renounce Christ by saying, Jesus, be cursed. Or the authorities may be, sing, may, may be after a person and uh, with a knife against his neck says, you say these words to prove that you renounce your faith right now. But whatever it is, Paul is saying, all these are not the actions of the Holy Spirit in the person. So you look at the person's life and see whether the person's blaspheme, condemns, denies Christ in their words, in their lives. Next test number two, look at the person. Don't look at his manifestations. Does the person's words, actions and life confess that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord is the battle cry amongst the Christians because for the Romans, they all hail the Caesar. And every time they go into worship, they always say, Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord. But not the Christians. They refuse to use this line. In fact, they would say, Jesus is Lord. And so this is the indication. It is the guidance and the touch of the Holy Spirit that makes us Christians hail Jesus as Lord. We recognize His deity, that He is God over us, and that He is sovereign. He rules supreme in our lives. So the test of the spiritual gifts. As we come together in Holy Communion, let us remember as we come together, as often as we eat and drink, we are reminded that we come 
offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, a holy and living sacrifice to the Lord, proclaiming that Christ is Lord. And every time we take the Holy Communion, let us be reminded of this, that is the affirmation in our hearts of our faith. Verses 4 to 11, the unity of the spiritual gifts. Amongst other things that are mentioned, I want to underline how Paul uses this to emphasize the unity. And so let's read. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirits. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. So here, Paul, amongst other things, is emphasizing the unity. But first, amongst the things that we read, is to recognize that Paul is also saying that all are given spiritual gifts. Mentioned in verse 7, verse 11, each is given, God allots to each. And here as a church, we want to help everyone discover and deploy our spiritual gifts. We have this program called The Shape at Wesley. You can go into this and register, and then we will bring you through, and shape represents spiritual gifts, H for heart, A for ability, P, personality, and E, your experience. We feel that if you put all this together, it can help discern how we may be moving and deploying our gifts. So we think about discovery, then deployment and development. And when you sign up, you will be put through an e-learning stage after which you will be coming together for a talk and then we will interview you and to discern with you perhaps what area of ministry you can be deployed and developed. So remember, every one of us has a gift. Young Christians as well as old Let's learn to discover. Next, in the unity of spiritual gifts, Paul talked about the unity of source. He emphasized that same spirit, that same Lord, that same God. This emphasis is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in communion and in union in giving us the gifts. There is no division, there is no jealousy amongst the Holy Spirit. So don't go around saying, I'm with Paul, I'm for Apollos. No, I'm for Peter. 
No, it is the same Lord. Just like in the parable of the talents, Jesus said that that master gave to the servants, and the servants received from the master with gratitude, gifts, not something they deserved, not something they earned. It wasn't a reward. It was according to the purpose of the master. So they should not think of themselves as higher or more superior. They were all servants of God under the Lordship of Christ. And that's the test, remember? It is all under the Lordship of Christ. Next is the unity of purpose. In the unity of the spiritual gifts, we also think about how we have the same purpose. Although we have varieties of gifts, although we have varieties of services, although we have varieties of activities, because all of us have different gifts, but they are given because of how God chose or the Spirit chose, and it is for the common good. And we must all recognize, just as servants receiving the gifts from the Master, it is for the kingdom's agenda. My gift is not for my personal glory. And we must all remember that. We are receiving them so that united, we represent Christ to the world and we bring the message of the kingdom to the lost, the least in this world. We come together and remember the unity of the spiritual gifts that all are given, let's remember that, and that it is all given by the same Lord and Master and it is for the same goal and purpose, the kingdom. So whenever we come to the Lord's table, Paul reminds us in his writings that there is one loaf and that one loaf represents that one body. We come to that one table. And remember that we are family. And this was the problem in Corinth. They had so many factions and divisions. Paul reminded them, coming to the Lord's table is always a reminder that we are unity. We are in unity with one another as a family and towards the goal of the kingdom's purposes under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Then Paul talked about the diversity of the spiritual gifts. I will not read every verse, but just for us to know that there is a diversity. And Paul said, let me use the example of the human body. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So Paul says, I will now illustrate to you using the human body. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? He says, yes, the eye is very important. The ear is very important function in the body. But you cannot have a body with just one big eye. You cannot have the body with just one big ear. We need the different parts to come together and we need to remember that. There is unity in diversity that we learn in the human body, so too the body of Christ. Unity is not uniformity. So let us remember 
that every part has a special role to play and we do not make clones of one another. Not in your small group, not as you disciple someone, don't make clones of them. God has so arranged each member as He chose. So your neighbor will be different from you. Your disciple will be different from you. Appreciate the diversity that we have. We are all different with different abilities, roles and gifts. Let's appreciate one another and recognize that we complement one another. I need the other and the other needs my role to play. So let's remember that. Of course, here there is a problem. He says, if the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. I'm sure Paul was given some kind of report that said, you know, there are some people who feel inferior in the congregation. Maybe they are from the slave status. Maybe they are the very young. Maybe they are young Christians. And they say, I do not belong to this fellowship. Paul said, don't say that. Because think about the human body, how crippled the human body would be if just one minor part fails. Imagine you have an ulcer or you have a blister somewhere. It shows all over your face. It shows in your body. The way you walk, it is as if you are very, very weak or you have some kind of accident when it is just a mere blister. So even a small part affects the whole. So you are needed even if you think that you play a very small role in this body. Learn to contribute. Do not withdraw. So you must remember that even if you play that little role, you are needed and your support in the body is critical. Then Paul addresses those who feel superior. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honourable, we close with greater honour and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. So Paul says, and there are some amongst our congregation who feel superior. They tend to say to others, I have no need of you. And this comes to Paul's ears. Paul says, no, you cannot have this attitude. This attitude would be fatal. Imagine how if in a human body, you neglect one part and you allow that part to rot or not grow or to die. It affects the whole human body. Plato, their Greek philosopher, has been known to make this quote. He said, we do not say, my finger has a pain, but we say, I have a pain. And the Greeks know this, know this quote. It is a familiar quote attributed to Plato. So he's saying, don't feel that you're superior. In fact, there are parts of this body that you feel not so important, like they are weaker, like they are less honourable or they are less respectable. 
In our human body, we go out of the way to protect, to guard, to close, to give special care to these parts. What more in the body of Christ? And we need to learn this example, he says. So there needs to be mutual care and concern. The stronger for the weaker. Look out for them, just as we do in our human body. Remember, we are interdependent. Don't think of independent. We need each other. So even if you feel you are the stronger, you need to look out because the whole body suffers when a small part is suffering. So there we are when we think about the diversity that Paul talks about. We are like the human body. Appreciate our diversity and celebrate that. For those who feel inferior, no, you are needed. Your contribution is very important. Whichever small part you think you play, and we are interdependent. Those who feel superior, you need the least among us to form that body of Christ. We come together to celebrate the Holy Communion. When we come together, we recognize that we want to be the body of Christ for the world. And that's what we proclaim and that's what we remember. And also as we come to the Lord's table, let us remember that we are diverse and different and yet one in Christ. Remember that. And now another chapter, chapter 13. A very long 13 verses. He ends uh, in 31, but strive for the greater gifts and I will show you a more excellent way. He was referring to chapter 13. And so as we come to chapter 13, we must recognize that chapter 13 is in the context of the problems of public worship and the misuse of spiritual gifts in church. And that's why he came to this. But you are all very familiar with Corinthians chapter 13 because it is one of the most quoted and most loved chapters in the whole Bible. We hear it in weddings, we hear it in anniversaries, we hear it in conferences, we hear it in the dedication of our missionaries when we commission places of worship. We hear it read or parts of it quoted all the time. I'm sure you're very familiar with all of them and how they refer to loving our neighbor. And sometimes you wonder, but this is in the context of spiritual gifts and the misuse of spiritual gifts. But I think that it is also relevant, although Paul was saying, I don't want division, I don't want jealousy, I don't want fights and confusion in your public worship. Because love is most applicable all the time and in all occasions. In fact, this is a common theme in this letter that he wrote and in many letters that Paul wrote in his Ephesians. And so when I refer to 1 Corinthians 13, I just have this quotation from chapter 14, verse 1, where he says, follow the way of love. Because when he came to chapter 14, he was summarizing what he said in the whole chapter and saying, follow the way of love. Because that is the theme that he has been carrying throughout his letter. 
He said, follow the way of love when you are applying your knowledge of and wisdom. Chapter 8, verse 1. Because he says that, you know, some of you are talking about having superior knowledge and wisdom. But love builds up. So he's saying, follow the way of love. How do you love your neighbor when you have great knowledge and superior wisdom in everything? Then he said, follow the way of love when you are applying your Christian freedom. Chapter 8, chapter 10. And he says, do you know that you have liberty, but make sure you think about loving your neighbor. Don't be a stumbling block to your neighbor, especially the weaker neighbor. And you say that all things are lawful, but are they beneficial? Do they build up your neighbor and the body of Christ? So follow the way of love, even when you talk about Christian liberty and freedom. He says, follow the way of love when you are worshipping in church, chapter 11 last week. Because he says that when you come to church, you get into divisions. That is not loving. That is building factions and forming cliques amongst you. And when it comes to the Lord's Supper, how is it that some of you go ahead on your own, no consideration for your neighbor or your brother who's weaker? Someone goes hungry. Can you imagine you just rush through you have no consideration for your weaker brother or those who feel inferior, they are all left out. Follow the way of love also in your church worship. And so he says, follow the way of love in exercising the spiritual gifts that you have. You think that it is about your spectacular manifestation or your tongue or the signs and wonder. No, it is actually all this. And this is echoing what Jesus said on the night in which he was betrayed. When he instituted the Holy Communion, he says, there's a new commandment that I now give you as disciples. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know, not by your spectacular manifestation of spiritual gifts, not by tongues or prophecy, not by how you are able to say, I sacrifice my body to be burned, not by how you say, I'm so giving, but by how you love one another. So Paul goes back to what Jesus reminds us and even as we come to the Lord's table, we are reminded that that very night, as he instituted the Holy Communion, he reminded his disciples of the new commandment he gives to us. Just as Christ has loved us, how? He broke his body, he shed his blood. He went all the way to the cross for his friends and to redeem the world. That's how much we should love one another as we receive of the body and of the blood, remembering the great sacrifice He paid. Would we be willing to carry on with a sacrifice like that to love our neighbor as we love ourselves? And so we have it, these two chapters, okay? First, the test of the gifts, 
And it is the Lordship of Christ, not the spectacular manifestations they were all boasting about and all taking sides because I have, you don't have, you have, I don't have. It is really under the Lordship of Christ. That's the test, the acid test. The unity of the spiritual gifts, he reminded us that all are given. So all need to discover. But it is from the same Lord we are accountable to, the same Master who gives us Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is for His kingdom's purpose. Remember, not for self-glory, but kingdom's agenda. He talked about the diversity of the spiritual gifts how we, like the human body, have unity in diversity. We celebrate that. We acknowledge and appreciate that. And that even if you think you're the weakest among us, your contribution is important. Every single member contributes, even the youngest, the weakest. And for the superior in faith, interdependent. We need each other. Do not exclude. And finally, it is the way of love in order to apply, to exercise the gifts. They didn't learn this. That's why in their church, they had so much quarrels, so many fights, and so many factions. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, not by the manifestation or the spectacular gifts you show, but it is by love. So let us come before the Lord in prayer as we prepare for the Lord's table in Holy Communion. So Lord Jesus, we come before you at this time, pausing to remember how you broke your body, how you shed your blood for us. And that as we come acknowledging your Lordship over our lives, we come to present ourselves before you today as a holy and living sacrifice to walk in your way as you have loved us let us learn to love one another we pray in Jesus name Amen